Chris Farmond here. Season two of the True Craft Podcast is coming soon. I promise. We will be introducing a new co-host, a sick lineup of guests, and killer topics in just a few weeks. While we get that wrapped up, today is another insightful episode of Office Hours. Have you met Tom? You know, the brains behind the operations and processes of Small Batch Standard. In today's Office Hours, Chief Operating Officer Tom Miller and myself talk about the process. We discuss our methodology for establishing a vision and translating it into language that is easily understood. We also explore tactical issues around setting goals, tracking the progress, and creating benchmarks. I know there are many takeaways from this episode, which you can implement in your brewery tomorrow. All right, let's do it. Hearing that canning line really lit a fire in us. Every single bartender was supposed to ask, how did you hear about us? I fell in love with stuff that wasn't the crappy stuff we were drinking at college parties. Not to name names. TM Tom Miller. What up? What's going on? What are we talking about? <laughs> you have it all laid out here, man. Yeah. Uh, I figured we could talk about something that has been very top of mind for us recently, particularly behind the scenes. Uh, we are working on something that incorporates some of these principles, but I think these are also timeless things that every client that we work with, every brewery that we talk to runs into. And those things are essentially, how do we take where we want to go, turn that into some sort of message that we can communicate to ourselves and our team? And then how do we bridge the gap between where we want to go and where we're actually going? So how do we take what we're thinking about achieving and take it down to the front lines in the tap room, out in the market, uh, how do we make that stuff happen? So uh, I figured we could kind of talk through that. Uh, I know uh, kind of season one, Brandon and you touched on a lot of this stuff with uh, both talking about DC Brown and a number of the other breweries that uh, you had on as guests. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I figured we can kind of get into some of the nitty gritty in terms of how we think about that and how we work with our clients on that. Yeah. You know, I think it's important that every business develop some sort of scorecard or some sort of benchmark that they can operate off of. And we hear it time and time again that the P&L and the balance sheet is very important, but pulling information out of those statements and making useful decisions on those statements continues to plague certainly brewery owners, but maybe all business owners, because these statements are for financial record keeping, for tax purposes. But what is a meaningful scorecard look like for a brewery owner? Um, so they can employ strategy, decision making and different drivers in in the business yeah that's a question that we think about pretty much every day 
But before we go there quite yet, I want to just take a quick step back because people out there probably have uh, an idea in their head already of what a scorecard is. And there, I think there are some differences in terms of how we think about that, how other people think about that. Um, and so I think, first of all, uh, when we talk about things like a strategy or a scorecard, uh, really we're referencing a tool. Uh, so this is like something, some sort of Excel sheet or some PowerPoint that you present to the team. There's some sort of tangible thing that, uh, people's minds immediately go to. Yeah. Like an output. Um, yeah. Yeah. And output, you know, what are we measuring ourselves against? Uh, what is, what is our team reporting back to us? What is, coming out of QuickBooks on a monthly basis. Uh, and and I think we're framing this discussion in terms of the tangible elements because some of this stuff is kind of hard to put your finger on outside of that. But I, I think what we're interested in is not just uh, presenting information, uh, presenting information, getting information, because there's a ton of information out there what in re reality we're interested in is like, how do we actually translate these things into action? And so it, just for folks listening, I think the biggest takeaway going into this conversation that you could come out of it with is not necessarily, are we using this or that scorecard format? Are we using this or that metric? Uh, it's uh, an overall methodology of how we translate what is in our heads into something tangible that we can all communicate based on. So, right. Uh, just wanted to so, hit on that first. What, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And, and just to make it even more practical, uh, an example would be if we report back that taproom labor is over, 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 um, our recommended, benchmark what are the steps in the strategy to do to get that metric in the acceptable range is that is that what you're talking about yeah that's what i'm talking about i'm also talking about um so i mean you've discussed this and i i think it came up in a number of the interviews so far in the, on on the podcast is uh you know eos has been a very hot topic in mm -hmm. the craft community for the past probably 2 years and, um, you know, it's also something that, that we use and is popular in sort of the small firm agency world as well. So we're very familiar with it. But, uh, one of the things that is interesting that has come out of that is the proliferation of all the EOS tools. So the VTO tracker, the scorecard, the rock sheet, um, these are all things that anybody who has some at least peripheral exposure to. EOS entrepreneurial operating system for folks that uh, aren't familiar with it. Um, you'll be familiar with those terms. And I think particularly we've seen a number of times sort of a, we're seeing the evidence of these documents showing up places, but then we go, when we dive into what's actually happening in the brewery, um, it, it, the actual intent behind it, which is what we're talking about connecting uh, what we have in our heads into action isn't actually happening. And so that's what I mean by, um, you know, you can talk about the actual metrics and the scorecard and everything, but it doesn't necessarily tie back to uh, the actual intent behind it. 
Mm-hmm. And one uh, thing this reminds me of is you gave a presentation, I think two years ago at the North Carolina uh, uh, Craft uh, Guild conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had a slide that was a picture of uh, basically a first person view of someone sitting, sitting in a car and kind of made the analogy of like all the instrumentation and the dials, the speedometer, the temperature gauge on the dash of the car is kind of like these metrics. It's what you see when you log into QuickBooks. It's what you see uh, when you export something from Ecos. Uh, And that's information that's allowing you to uh, sort of in in relative real time determine how fast the car is going where you're going so on and so forth mm-hmm. and then you kind of have the the steering wheel and the gas and the brake and those are more so the controls that the leadership team and the ownership uh have in terms of where we can take the brewery and so that might be who we decide to hire it might be what distribution or what distributor we decide to use Uh, So the actions that we can actually physically take. And then uh, I think the main point of this was uh, outside of that, there's the actual vision that you have in terms of where are we on the road in front of us? And then where are we actually headed? So what is our destination? And so I think your point was all three of those things have to be aligned and connected in order to actually get to the destination that you're heading to. And many times there are large disconnects between those three elements. Uh, so that that's the that's the other thing that I mean by sort of the scorecard is is a reference point, but it's not kind of the whole discussion. Right. No, I I completely agree with you, and I think those three sectors you talked about are sometimes blurred because. The leadership team may not be in sync or the leadership team is doing most of the work. Uh, I think that I've said it a hundred times that running a brewery is very hard because you have so many different business functions. Uh, Brandon mentioned over and over in season one that most breweries are born out of a passion project. And when a passion project turns into a business, you really need to have the gauges dialed in and the wherewithal to when to push on the brake, when to slam on the gas. And um, certainly the view, the the view of what's ahead, right? Is there a sharp turn coming? Is it open road? Is it raining? Is it snowing? So I I would agree that that analogy we used in that speech, and I've used it a a number of times in a, a number of different presentations I've given is critical for the, the brewing industry. So very good stuff. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Brandon, that was one thing that I wanted to mention on this episode is uh, it, it was nice to be able to hear him talk through what the vision for the brewery was at the very beginning and how that had, how DC Brow has adapted that vision to the reality on the ground over time. So I think, I think that's actually a good concrete example of what we're talking about, which is, you know, Brandon and Jeff set out at the very beginning to create essentially the first kind of new wave production brewery in the DC area. Uh, so, so production focus right off the bat, they knew that they wanted to 
uh, go for higher volume. Uh, they wanted to be able to provide uh, beer to the entire region. And at the same time, also tied in with that vision was, okay, we want something that represents the culture of DC. And so those two elements, um, I, I think they've done an amazing job over the, the decade that sort of Brandon described of, of maintaining focus on that kind of high level vision. So, you know, to me, that's kind of like at the highest level, that's where we're headed. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's one element that I think is important to not only have the ownership be on the same page on, but also to be able to easily communicate to that, to your investors, to your team, to your community. Um, then one level down from that was what that meant in practice was at the very beginning, uh, Brandon and Jeff invested in a production, uh, size brewing system. They invested in the canning line, like they talked about, mm -hmm. and that necessarily prevented them from investing in some other things. So like they did a lot of kind of the, the marketing legwork themselves. They, he talked about, they were. Uh, kind of scrappy at the beginning because they knew they wanted to go production volume. So they made the big investment in the equipment uh, and the infrastructure necessary to get there uh, and then sort of sacrificed in some other areas. So that's uh, kind of a good example of how that translates down into actual kind of uh, decisions that you can make that push the brewery forward. And then finally, it kind of at the lowest level, um, he started to talk about kind of operationally how they've structured the team, how they uh, sort of have delegated responsibilities to uh, sort of the, the, the production facility versus the tap room and how they maintain a focus with their marketing, not necessarily on uh, driving a business to the tap room with sort of the releases and the scarcity and everything that uh, a lot of tap room focused breweries have, but he's more big picture focused on uh, maintaining good relationships with their distributors and then pushing marketing to uh, kind of help that relationship and then trying to measure, okay, what is the impact of that marketing on uh, our sales in particular regions? And so they've established this sort of uh, metric based feedback loop uh, on the actual scorecard and reporting side of things that feeds back into those decisions, which touches on the original uh, vision. And so, yeah, I, I just think that's such a great example of how end to end from top to bottom, mm -hmm. you, you want to tie those things together in a way that makes all of those things kind of work together in concert. Yeah. Let's go back and talk about EOS for a second. And I have a few questions for you since you and I really implemented it in full force here in our business. Um, first question is, are you glad we implemented it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, are you? <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I'm very glad we implemented it. I'm, 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 I've always been a fan of Gino Wickman, who's the author of Traction, which is really the, the holy grail of of the EOS and, and the operating system. And, and it, it's given us a clear vision for the business. And it's also helped us identify the team and the accountability chart and who is in the right seats. And, 
um, it, it's just, it's a playbook, right? It's a playbook that gives us the tools to relax a little bit when it comes to planning for the future. Um, my next question for you, and you can talk about that as well, but my next question for you is, do you believe that a brewery can implement ECOS? Excuse EOS. me. EOS, yeah. sorry. EOS. Uh, yeah, and I kind of turned that question around on you without answering it. So, uh, yes, I, I'm glad we implemented it. And, yes, I think breweries can implement it effectively. But one of the things that I think we have learned, so we've been running it for – almost two years now, uh, what we've learned related to this kind of strategy down to scorecard discussion is, you know, our vision has been rock solid throughout. So it's like, we're here to serve the craft industry. We help craft breweries grow profits. We do that through tax accounting, growth guidance, consulting, Mm -hmm. those things haven't changed at all, but our actual implementation of what that looks like on the ground level, we've, uh, we've adapted that at, uh, at every turn. And in particular, you know, this last year, I think it's a good example of how uh, maintenance of the overall belief in the mission is absolutely critical. So, you know, I, I think, I think what uh, tough times uh, reveal is that businesses that don't have that strong of a reason for existence, those are the ones that struggle the most when you hit hard times. Whereas, you know, what we found and what we saw with our our clients uh, who who sort of had this similarity is, you know, that strength of vision is what pulls you through and allows you to figure out how to make it work. So, at that level it's remained very constant. And I think that's the level at which most breweries can really get a a big value out of the initial implementation of EOS is how do we, how do we clarify what our, you know, what is the mission? What is our objective? How do we clarify what that looks like for both ourselves and the team? And then that provides sort of like the guiding light uh, for regardless of, for, for sort of whatever comes next. Um, the things that have changed a lot have been actually the uh, the the execution of it. So the scorecards, what our uh, sort of rock projects look like, how we how we execute those, who owns those, um, what the size and scope of those responsibilities are. Uh, all of that stuff has evolved. I mean, I, I think we update our we've updated our scorecard definitely every quarter, sometimes mid quarter in terms of, we think this metric matters more than this one. So we're going to swap this one out. Uh, We had this target before, but now this has changed. So we're changing this target. And so I think where most people struggle, and this was kind of where we struggled with uh, making the connection to that overall mission initially was, um, you know, EOS kind of has this formula for how you take that vision and put it on paper and sort of, uh, cascade that down to the team's responsibilities and what everybody's working on. And that is the thing that is going to look very different for each brewery. So it's kind of like you, you use their format and their uh, kind of templates as sort of the training wheels initially. Um, but then you need to be continuously looking at how do we adapt this so that it's 
more meaningful to what we're trying to do at every step of the way. And now that we're two years down the line, what we're doing actually looks very different. Like if somebody came from the outside, like some sort of EOS person came in and they looked at our stuff, they'd be like, Oh, what are you doing here? That doesn't look like what we do. Um, so that those have been the, the the biggest changes. And I think where this, uh, ties into, to, you know, what we've seen with brewery owners and what, what kind of we're working on, uh, with folks right now is there is a lot of complexity as you know, we've talked about over and over again, a lot of complexity in the brewery in terms of what is the relationship between our actions and then the actual effect in terms of beer sold, profit made, inventory levels, like all of that is extremely, I think, extremely difficult to capture in the way that uh, uh, sort of the, the traction EOS methodology is presented because their metrics that they kind of present in the book and and when you set it up initially, I think they're just too simplistic. Because um, because mm-hmm. I, I mean you can speak to this m- more than anybody is uh, there's a lot that goes into getting an actually accurate metric that represents reality that we can take meaningful action on. So I think that's where at least from our perspective, that's where we've seen some of that disconnect is like, how do we actually create a set of metrics that are meaningful, that leadership can make reliable decisions based on, and the team can look at and use to sort of dive deeper. So I don't know if you want to kind of dive into from that angle. Yeah, sure. So I'll start by saying the biggest plus for eco for you i keep saying ecos what's wrong with me the biggest <laughs> they're uh they, they've co-opted you you're you're uh you're an ambassador for ecos you just i know their name <laughs> the, the the biggest benefit f- with eos for me was sharing the vision with the team and all founders have a vision whatever that vision may be and i think in most cases it is packed away in the brain or the gut and it just stays there and the stress of the the running the day to day just piles on top of that vision and it gets it, it gets forgotten at some point but to be able to document it lay it out and share it with the team has been a huge burden a relief for me like a pressure a pressure release for me mm-hmm. to say you know here's where the business is going I think that transparency can also happen in a brewery or a distillery. I think that I know that owners are feeling the same pressures as myself to remain successful, to remain profitable. And once it's down on paper, it really can, um, it, 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 it comes to life, right? It, the, the, it comes to life and and now you everyone has their eyes on it so everyone hopefully is working toward the same the same cause and i i would agree with you 100% that the initial framework they lay out we have changed over and over for the better and i think all frameworks evolve right if you look at our margin analysis our margin analysis started off very very basic and it's evolved into, and when I say margin analysis, I'm talking about looking at margins of beer sold and wholesale. 
that's one area where breweries really can make or break the business if they don't know what the margin is in wholesale margin and tap room. It's a gimme, right? You're making incredible margins on it. But if you're a distribution focused brewery and you don't know your margins, um, it, you could be sending beer out and, and, and losing money every time the keg leaves the dock. So we had an initial framework for that and it's evolved and evolved and evolved. And, and now we're, we're at the point where it gives brewery owners super accurate data to where they can go negotiate prices, decide whether they want to continue that product. So I, I would say that EOS push, has pushed us to evolve a lot of our thinking as to does the, does the thought process stop here or can we take it a, a step further? You know, c- can we go one more iteration in detail? And we've seen it within our business with the way we, we track things that it, we, we just, we, we have to continue to go deeper and deeper to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And I, I think you hit on it, which is uh, visibility is really the key initial benefit that comes from this. It, e- even if we're not talking to EOS, even if we're talking about just having something on paper that everybody in the team can come around and understand what it is and what it means about the overall performance. I mean, that's a huge initial win. Um, and so one, I think one of the misnomers out there about uh, kind of scorecards and metrics is that the actual, what's being displayed to you is a, a reflection of either somebody's uh, success or failure in their role or it's a reflection of, uh, or, or we should take immediate action based on that, uh, just that number. So, mm-hmm. y- you know, you mentioned the distribution margin, so we can kind of dig into that a little bit further. So if, if something comes back uh, to an owner and it, and it shows, okay, our, our margin is 50% above sort of industry standard for the brewery that we're comparing to. Uh, for this beer that we're selling. One, one I, I think the kind of dumbed down response to that could be uh, get your uh, uh, sales rep on the phone and say, why the hell did you sell this beer at this price? <laughs> or uh, get your production manager in the room and say, hey, why are we ordering these ingredients like this? We should be ordering them like that. And so... Um, I think that's the response to metrics that uh, kind of gives it a bad name among uh, particularly team members based on how leaders are responding to what those metrics show. Uh, but it also sort of unveils what you said is like uh, at each step of the way, how can we use this as something to push our thought process forward? And I so, so I think visibility is a, a, a huge factor to just allow people to see what's going on. And that alone will drive more intelligent actions. Uh, but then the second step is recognizing that what is showing up in this metric is actually more of a problem solving tool and a navigation tool than something to assign blame or responsibility. Um, 
And that's also an area in which I think accountability gets misunderstood. So accountability really is how well have we specified what the expectations for each person are within their role in the business? And then is that person taking action with respect to that with the best of intent and hopefully with the capabilities to uh, move things forward? So uh, anyway, the, yeah. the point being, uh, if we're looking at distribution margins that are too high, we might come to sort of those initial reactions to go after a team member who might be responsible for some aspect of that. But a more strategic approach, and this is the approach that I think we try to take with our clients, which is, uh, hey, this is showing up red. Let's dive a little bit deeper into that number and pick apart what are the elements that go into it. So what are the different places in which the beer is going? What are the different uh, packaging uh types of packaging that the beer is going out in and can we break that down and identify where the majority of the profit is coming from and maybe where the majority of the volume that doesn't have the margins that we are looking at is coming from and then we can go one step deeper from that uh and say okay is it a pricing issue is it a ingredients issue is it a packaging right. cost issue and really bring the team in on the problem solving effort versus trying to sort of point fingers and just tell somebody to make it improve. So, uh, that, that, I think that's another important aspect of sort of this sort of scorecard process. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've been presenting a brewery business assessment and the founders have brought in the leadership team, which is typically director of operations, head brewer, taproom GM, because we look at all of those areas and if something doesn't meet our benchmark, it's an immediate defensive response. Yeah. And that's not the intention of the BBA. The intention of the BBA is to give you a metric based pulse check of what's happening in the brewery. And that's why we follow it up with recommendations and the recommendations usually temper any sort of hot defense that comes out of it. But at the end of the day, we're doing the best that we can. And the intent of bringing us in to share this knowledge and information with the brewery leadership team and owners is to make improvements and corrections. And these are not short-term fixes. You know, most of the breweries we do a BBA for are two plus years old. Well, it took them two years to get to the spot. You know, you're not going to change it overnight. So it's important to understand that it's going to take time and it's going to take a, a slight correction of the, the path that you're on. So, and I, and I try to, I, I really try to share that and, and, and convey that when I'm delivering these BBA presentations, because they're not a, a slight or a, a gig on anyone, but let's, let's move deeper into accountability. Cause you, you brought that up. Um, so accountability for me is, first of all, having the right person handle the right tasks and that person doing what they say they're going to do. It's a, it's a very simple definition. And if for me, if that individual cannot live up to that task through 
checklists or reminders or technology or tools that we we prevent pre, uh, present them, then we really got to ask the question, right? Is is this a leadership issue or is this a individual team team member issue? And um, I I don't want to call people out or or put people on a whipping post. However, I do believe the brewing industry grew up over the last decade. The, at least the first five years of it was was built on the Bros Network, and evidence of that was when I would travel to various events and try to talk to owners or decision makers about their accounting, their tax, their profit analysis. And it was met with silence or resistance. And, you know, that told me that we were still in this passion life cycle, right? We weren't really in the business life cycle. And then 2017 hit and and things got a little bit tighter and then 18 hit and 19 hit. And all of a sudden there's, there's more competition there's more players involved. There's more consolidation, and everyone had needed to start holding everyone accountable. Well, I, I think once again, accountability is not something that can be turned on overnight, right? It, however, it is the foundation of trust in the business, which someone is going to do what they say they're going to do at the best of the ability they can. You know, what are your thoughts on, on accountability? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of the the through line that ties together everything that we've talked about, which is, um, you know, there are kind of those, those elements of cultural fit and competency, which go into selecting the right people. And uh, to your point, yeah, I mean, uh, we, I mean, we still see plenty of uh, breweries that we, uh, encounter who are, are haven't even taken the baby steps towards establishing what those things are. Um, so, so, but there are others, particularly, I think some of the clients that, uh, that we work with are, are pretty advanced in terms of how they think about that. Um, so there's kind of this wide spectrum and, and what you've kind of alluded to is like, as the craft industry has evolved, uh, there's kind of this like old school scrappy, you know, just get everybody in the door. Everybody's doing everything. Kumbaya, let's get it done. Uh, with kind of the, those who have elevated, uh, their performance or the ones who have recognized that, okay, we need to actually run this as a little bit more structured organization. Um, so I think the accountability piece is a natural evolution of, of, uh, understanding the business better, getting better at communicating why we're all here doing what we're doing. Um, and then getting a little bit more disciplined about who's doing what. And, um, and then that ties into how are we actually evaluating that performance, which, you know, what shows up on the scorecard related to what people are doing inside of the business. And so, um, yeah, I think accountability is, it's almost something that, that comes out of, uh, putting those pieces together where if you're a brewery sitting there and you don't necessarily know, you don't have that strong of a overall mission. Uh, you don't have a well, de- well-developed, uh, kind of idea of, uh, are, are we going to be taproom focused? Are we going to be distribution? 
Uh, are we aiming to exit or is this a lifestyle business? You know, it, for breweries who don't have a good, clear idea of what that overall vision looks like, uh, accountability is something that is kind of out of reach where it, it, it comes from defining what those things are, which then allows you to hire the right people who are a fit for that culture and that mission, which then allows you to delegate responsibility and and assign, hey, you're responsible for monitoring and trying to improve this metric. And so without those puzzle pieces in place, you can say, oh, I'm holding my people accountable as much as you want, but accountable to what? So right. <laughs> that, that's when we get into like uh, uh, kind of the, those, those cultures where you have sort of the, the gal or the guy at the top who is has a stranglehold on the business and feel like they need to control everything. And it's kind of because we've skipped some steps along the way and tried to be quote unquote accountable without having that strategy down to the metrics in place. Yeah. Do you believe that going back to the, the, the mission, the, the shaky mission, do you believe a mission that states, I want to sell my business is a viable like mission or, or do you believe it's a viable guidepost or beacon for a, a brewery to, to go toward? Yeah. I mean, that's a piece of it. So, I mean, that, that, that alone, we can sort of think about what the implications of uh, just saying that out loud are. Mm-hmm is and and you can i know you have sort of in your head what the numbers look like but if someone says i want to sell my business there are very specific volume targets revenue targets ebitda uh what the balance sheet looks like mm-hmm. those things have to be in place in order for that to happen and so naturally you're going to be shooting towards something down the road that is already kind of predefined in terms of what somebody would want to acquire the business based on um, so that, that handles a, a big piece of it. Um, so there are going to be a lot of decisions that get made as a result of saying that, that are very meaningful for what the brewery decides to do. Uh, that leaves out, uh, all of the pieces of the puzzle that differentiate the brewery sort of, why are we here? What is the purpose? Uh, cause if your purpose is we're going to sell the business, then you're going to get a whole bunch of transient transactional people who are just there to, I don't know, try to try to get a piece of the action or they're just there for a paycheck. Um, whereas if you say our goal is to sell the business in 10 years and we want to be like Brandon said, the, the, the uh, distribution focused brewery in DC that represents the culture of DC Mm-hmm. That though that starts to approach like a fully formulated uh, mission that everybody can rally around uh, that has a long term objective, uh, but also has sort of the cultural and market differentiation elements that will uh, attract the right people and uh, kind of have the 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 owner's vision of what the the product and the company uh, are going to be fulfilled. I don't know if that, do you have anything else to add to that? Well, the reason I dumped that vague statement onto you and asked your, your point of view is because I believe that 
back in 2013 to 2016, there were a lot of transactions that happened and it made, it assisted a lot of brewery owners in becoming starry eyed as, as, as to what the value of their brewery could be when a lot of the details of those deals and those transactions were never disclosed. And there were numbers thrown around on valuation or how to get there, how many barrels you have to produce, dollars per barrels. And at the end of the day, it was each transaction represented a specific set of criteria as to why it happened. And I think since 2018, a lot of that cell hysteria, hysteria has dampered down a lot. And to your point, I just want to reiterate that saying I want to sell my business and not having more a more well-thought-out plan on how to sell it is very short-sighted. And and you described everything that will happen once you once you go into that into that mode. And if you can reconcile with that, okay, I want to sell my business, but it's probably not in a place to sell my business. Well, how do you get there? What are the steps you need to take to get that play, to get that end result in, into play? Because it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of strong moves on the chessboard to get to that, to that win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is maybe taking us a little bit off track, so I'll keep it, keep it snappy, but, uh, it is funny that it kind of is the case that if somebody decides, Hey, I want to sell my brewery in five years and they actually start taking meaningful action towards making that happen, you kind of have to define your mission and your culture and what your product is going to be and who your team is going to be in, in with such specificity that is tied so deeply to who you are as a business owner and what you want this thing to look at like that in the end, like you kind of get to the point where, Oh, maybe I don't want to sell this thing. Or, or so I think most people at least want the optionality of being able to, to sell, but, uh, right. ironically, kind of the things that uh, would drive you to that point are, are also the things that would make you most want to work in that business. Uh, so anyway, just kind of yeah, a I'm, side note. I'm kind of viewing like an inverse bell curve here where you start on a high and then you get frustrated with working in the business yeah. midway through a decade. And then you establish culture, accountability, benchmarks. You have a partner who can help you work through this. And then you rise out of the bottom of that bell curve to regain the love of the business that you started in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's interesting. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, no, I, I think uh, so. I mean, this is, it, I think back to the original thing that we started discussing, sort of this very, I guess, concrete thing of scorecards and tying that to strategy we can kind of see how that it, it literally touches every element of how the business is run. If we're actually approaching those things in a meaningful way. So, um, yeah, I, I think at a tactical level, like we have our, our kind of set of core metrics that we know are important for, uh, pretty much every brewery. 
some some who are taproom focused are going to care more about the taproom metrics, distribution, vice versa. Um, but really, uh, I think at least our goal with it is to provide a framework at which to start, just sort of start this process, um, because it is it is difficult uh, to start taking those steps forward without something out there. And so I think that's where EOS is helpful. That's where plugging into um, sort of uh, industry-specific tools is helpful. That's where uh, kind of benchmarks and metrics is helpful. Um, but really, all of it is aimed at kind of starting this process of defining why are we here, what are we doing, and how do we get there? Uh, sure. At least to me, it seems that way. Do you know of any industry tools that can assist with this, like brewery or distillery specific? Well, the one that you keep uh, like uh, Freudian slip, uh, Ecos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Ecos. I mean, so so you know, we have our sort of recommended stack, or you know, QuickBooks, Ecos, uh, uh, sort of standard POS systems, mm-hmm. Square, Arrived, what have you. Uh, when those are used correctly in concert, good information going in, that provides sort of the 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 foundation for being able to pull out metrics because you know that that is a problem is you know if you do not have uh, the information at your disposal, uh, good luck trying to construct good metrics based on that information. Um, so so that's a big piece of it. What, what would you add? I I would I'd add the same um, everything you described right and every brewery owner out there that I speak to knows garbage in garbage out so it's important to stay yeah. on top of those processes and and keep those tools up to date but at the end of the day they are tools they are only tools for you to derive information from and, and make decisions yeah yeah totally and and I will just mention that. Um, uh, on our website, like we, uh, I think when was it beginning of last year, uh, we ran, uh, I think we called it the intelligent action series, which is tied into a lot of what we talked about. And we actually go through fairly specifically what, uh, kind of the key metrics are that we, uh, look at with, with the breweries that we work with. Uh, and then, um, I think we've, I think, uh, you did. A talk with Ecos uh, at some point late later last year that uh, kind of goes into a little bit more detail on some of those metrics. But anyway, the point being, uh, we have a lot of information out there that is a great starting point if you're looking for something. We also have a a, a series that we did back in 2019 called the Pro Tips series mm-hmm. that has a lot of these components in there. You know, we we continue to update and evolve these things, um, and that you know that's related to the kind of some of the tools that we're developing, but um, point being there, if you're looking for a, a simple starting point, that's also a, a resource that people have at their disposal. Um, if anybody has any questions, they can email us and we can point you in the right direction. But uh, yeah, we, we've got some good stuff up there on the website for, for anybody who's interested. Cool. All right, Tom, I think that's a wrap, man. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, we, uh, we go on all day with this stuff, but, uh, I know. we can kind of leave it there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to see what comes out of, um, kind of this year 
some of the things that we're pushing forward on that yep. will hopefully make this process a little bit easier for um for, for the people we work with um but uh i mean regardless i think the the industry is evolving like you said people are paying more more attention to this stuff and uh, i think we're just going to continue to see more of it absolutely all right bud i'll talk to you soon all right peace. thanks man see you. thank you for listening to this episode of the true craft podcast Links to cool information about our guests and other fun facts can be found in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by Small Batch Standard. Small Batch Standard is the premier financial agency built to serve the craft brewing industry. We help craft breweries grow profits through outsourced accounting, tax planning and filing, and growth consulting. Visit sbstandard.com today to learn more and request a discovery call. See ya!